Hey artists, special announcement alert. It's that time of the year when a Halifax-based magazine called The Coast asked their readers to nominate who they feel are the best in various categories in the city. And I need your help. I'm looking for a nomination in three different categories. Hey, why not, right? If you're a fan of what I do, please go to bestofhalifax.com. Select News and Media and then Best Podcast, and enter in Art Pays Me. And next category, go to Fashion, Best Fashion Designer, and you can just put my name in, Dwayne Jones. And then for Culture, I'm also looking for Best Visual Artist. So go on to Culture, Best Visual Artist, and enter my name, Dwayne Jones. If you could do this, I would greatly appreciate it. Hell, you know what? Send me a screen cap of your nomination and I'll send you a gift straight from artpaysme.com. Problem is, there's a deadline for this. So if you could do this by July 15th, I would greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, peeps. Much love. Now let's get into the episode. What up, artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast, and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity. And, you know, maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Yeah, so welcome to Art Pays Me, Aaron. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I was so pumped when you asked me to come on the show. So we met almost a year ago at, uh, it was uh, Social Media Day Halifax. We were on a panel about podcasting. That's right. That is when we met. And that was almost a year ago, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've been a fan ever since. So, you know, I just, I knew at some point we'd end up having to have some kind of a collaboration or talk or something. I didn't even know I was going to have this podcast at that point. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So here we are. <laughs> so like, what is it that you do? I, I, I took stuff from your about page and it says that. <laughs> yes. Yes. What do I do? What do I do? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It depends on who, who's asking, really. That's, that's the, the really smug answer. But what I do, I am a digital entrepreneur. I think okay. that's kind of the umbrella that I use to describe myself. But ultimately, I'm a content creator. So um, I started out as a journalist, as a broadcaster, um, became a blogger. Um, and now that has evolved into being... Um, a marketer and an influencer strategist um, and a digital content creator. So all of those things meshed into one makes, makes me. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's funny. Like the, I've seen a similar thing with people who started out in sort of the journalism area and even people who may have started in education, this, uh, the environment we're in right now seems to bode, uh, bode well to those kind of skill sets. I think so. And I think what we're also seeing is like 
kind of people saying screw the patriarchy and they don't want the nine to five job and they don't yeah. want to build up someone else's dream and they realize that the way that technology has evolved has given you access to all of these platforms and all of these tools um, that allow you to create your own thing. So like back in the day, I mean, even when I was doing my, in grad school, studying journalism and radio and television production, like to produce something that was TV quality, um, just from like a tech standpoint, you needed like a $15,000 piece of software. And like, not everybody is going to be able to handle that cost and then know how to use it and then know how to leverage that. And then all of a sudden within the last decade, you can, you know, actually I just bought a new piece of editing software today. I think I now own three different video <laughs> editing softwares because they're like $200 each, which is a complete, like that's an easily absorbed cost. Yeah. And I can create exactly what I want to create the quality that I want to create. Like, from my own home office. So I think like, I think you're right. I think there's just been this sort of movement towards people recognizing like they have the skills and if they're willing to learn how to use the available technology, they can make a go of it on their own. Yeah, actually you mentioned smashing the patriarchy. So <laughs> would you say that the, these, um, the accessibility of so many things has made it easier for women to enter entrepreneurship? Oh my goodness. I love that question. I did not expect you to ask me that. And my answer is absolutely yes, but there is a, but, um, so I've been doing this, you know, accident, accidentally, I started a blog seven years ago. So people call me like an OG, honestly, because no, really like digital, digital years. That's like seven. It's like dog years. It's like 70 years of building a blog. Right. Um, so I'm like an OG and I see, and, and I think my philosophy in the beginning was I didn't have one. I didn't think about what people thought about me. And I didn't think about whether my photos looked perfect. And I didn't think about all those things. And I mean, now all that's coming to bite me in the ass as I literally sit here going through seven years of photos, trying to update them for mm. new SEO and like all that other crap. But now I see mm, these women who are so talented and so creative and so incredibly capable. And I think they put themselves out there, but not enough of them go far enough. And I wonder if that's kind of the give and take of the culture that we have where Instagram lets you go out and be a creator, but it also subjects you to so much more scrutiny than would be natural that I think sometimes as women, we hold ourselves back because of that. So I think it's a double-edged sword to answer your question. Uh, I, I, I didn't expect you to go there. I like that. Um, so... I wonder about that sometimes too, as a person who uses Instagram primarily as a business tool. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I see people on there and people have a right to use it for whatever they want to use it for. Um, but then you're right, I see some people who are kind of skating between that business, personal use, 
uh, and it's almost like getting a thousand likes is good enough for them when they actually probably could have translated that into something else. Oh my goodness. It's yes. So recently, I don't know, you might've noticed, I even changed my Instagram handle because when I started Instagram, it was all to share my DIY projects and my painting and all this stuff that I do on my website. Hmm. Um, Instagram didn't like that so much and it never really got me traction. And then I also discovered that I like having Instagram as a platform to showcase more of the personal. So I switched my handle. So it's now like reflective of my name and not my website. And that was deliberate, but I do see, um, and, and to be perfectly honest, I don't, Instagram for me is not a primary business driver at all. Mm -hmm. So I kind of use it for fun and just to make connections. I think yeah. the way it was intended to be used. Um, but for those people out there who I see using it as a monetized platform, um, I often wonder, like, I, I don't know, like, you're right, the thousand likes, like, is it ever enough? Or are you just creating like a vacuum that you just constantly have to fill and fulfill and fulfill? And like, when are you going to feel good enough about yourself at a million likes, at a million and one? Like, it, it's endless, right? And I don't know if it's healthy. Um, and I think it makes us create, you know, to kind of bring it back to the idea of art and creation. I think sometimes it makes you create from a place of inauthenticity. And yeah. when I remember back to seven years ago when I started, everything I did was authentic, whether it was so crappy or not. And now I think the culture gives us all that like millisecond of, of um, you you rethink everything you're going to put out there for a millisecond. And I think if we could like eradicate that Instagram would become a way cooler place. If we just stopped thinking so hard about, you know, whether it was on brand or whether it was, you know, if a brand is going to see it or how many likes it was going to get, or, you know, is my cellulite showing or whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know. Instagram. I have a serious, most days it's a hate, hate relationship with Instagram. <laughs> Most days, uh, most days. I don't know. Have you seen my Insta stories? Like I'm probably the only person that goes on Insta stories with no makeup and like crazy mom hair and like, I don't even care, but whatever. I, I did notice um, at one point when you talked about making that sort of personal brand change. Yeah. Uh, started to say like, screw it. Like, and I've, I haven't done it to that extent, but I'm in that same boat of you know, I'm not going to slave over an illustration before I put it out. Uh, now I'm just like, here's a picture of my sketchbook. If yeah. you like it, I don't really care. I'm just here to share. Yeah. Who do care. Yeah. Uh, and, and then I like to give people those kind of informal behind the scenes of like what's going on in my life. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I think I think it's going to start really, really shifting soon more to that mentality. I think people are getting sick of everything feeling so intensely curated. Mm -hmm. And the other thing, I mean, talking about monetizing your art is like really Instagram for me when I work with sponsors or when I work with brand partners is like a tack on. I always just say, yeah, you know, I get really great personal engagement on my Instagram page. So I'll put stuff up there. I don't mark anything up if I put it on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes I think it's funny because there's people out there who I know have like 
Instagram um, accounts that are like magnitudes larger than mine, like tenfold bigger. And they're looking at me and they're this little old me and my little account. And they're thinking like, how the hell is she doing this full time? If she doesn't have 50,000, 100,000 followers on Instagram. I'm like, you know, that might, I don't know. I mean, I'm doing it because I do it differently. And I think mm-hmm sometimes we get myopic too. And we don't think that there's other ways to have a digital business. But like I said, I get tons. I spend 80% of my time, Dwayne, on Pinterest, 80%. You know what? I, that's another shift for me too. I love Instagram. I have so much fun on there, but Pinterest, I'm really starting to grow an appreciation for it. I get engagement from there that, but I'm not even trying hard. I get engagement. So it's making me think, Hmm, wonder if I actually tried hard. Yeah. Let me tell you, I started trying hard. Uh, I was always using it, but then I really started trying last last summer and my business, just, just my website grew 400%. Okay. So I got to (laughs) try. So I mean, it's definitely (laughs) worth it, but it's not something that you can actually see. If you're, if you are someone who's looking at me, you're thinking like, okay, whatever, she's got a website and like, Mm an Instagram following, so what? But Mm -hmm. if you don't see what's going on behind the scenes is that, you know, my website is so big, I've had to switch servers twice this year. And, you know, my email list was growing at a pace faster than I could keep up with. And like, I had to hire two freelancers to help me with the backlog. And like, there was all this other stuff going on. But Mm -hmm. when we think of bloggers or influencers or even website digital content creators as just Instagrammers, we're forgetting this is the tip of the iceberg like there's all this other stuff below the surface that's going on that um it's really hard to see if you don't know what to look for absolutely yeah you're that's a a great point that you're bringing up like you are operating as a complete business you mm-hmm. may have far less followers on one particular social platform than someone else but you are an actual business um yeah and like the other thing that I find with that is it's, I don't take the hundred thousand follower thing as seriously as I may have in the past because Mm -hmm. it's easy to copy. So I think I see a lot of these people who they see the OGs like you and they're taking a template (laughs) that you made or whatever, and they're just kind of repurposing what's already been done. And then you go to click, on their thing and like, okay, what's their business? What are they, what, what is their thing? And they're in, there's no substance there. It's just pretty pictures. And if it's just pretty pictures, that's a dime a dozen now. That's not, that's something that maybe wasn't possible years back, but now everyone can copy that style or that filter or that whatever the case may be, so. Yeah, didn't you think that was weird when like all of a sudden filters started being things that you could buy? Yeah. Yeah. That weirded me out. I have not, I have not bought one. I'm like, I sometimes, you know, I brighten my pictures just in like an mm-hmm. editor or whatever, but like people are posting like, Oh, my picture was made with this filter and this and that. And I'm thinking, Holy, like, I feel like that's taken like artistic appropriation to a whole new level. It's like, yeah. I want my pictures to look like they were taken in someone else's life. So yeah, spend it's, 50 weird. Bucks. it's weird to me. It's very weird to me. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't, and same, like I don't, I don't use filters anymore. I, the only thing I'm like, Oh, that's too dark to see what's happening in the picture. So I'll lighten it or brighten it or whatever the case. But yeah. Um, but then I'm, I wonder, is that a gender thing? I don't know. Is it, 
do you find it's more of a woman thing? But I have seen a lot of men actually engaging in this too. So, yeah, you know what though? I think, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's a gendered thing. I think it's like a, I think it's an ego thing. Culture thing. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, and I don't know if that's gendered or not. I know some men who have massive egos and some women who have massive egos. And some people might say I have a massive ego. So really, I don't know. <laughs> people think you have a massive ego? I don't know. I, I, sometimes I think that, yeah. I mean, I, I was on, I'm on TV all the time. I'm pretty high energy. And I think sometimes the high energy thing gets conflated with like being self-absorbed, but the truth of the matter is that um, I have been doing on-air work for so flipping long that it is a, it's a switch that I can flip. Like I can go from zero to a hundred and then right back to zero. Um, and it, you know, it freaks my husband out, right? Cause I'll go from like lying on the couch and be like, oh, I've got to do a promotion for this something coming up. I'm going to hop on Instagram and do it. And I will just, I will go from zero to 10 Mm. for a minute and then come right back down <laughs> and that's just that's just my training right like I'm just able to turn it on and I think sometimes people look at that and they're like wow like she's just always on mm -hmm. but so let's take it back where did you grow up Ooh, I grew up in downtown Toronto okay downtown Toronto um like and like actually downtown Toronto. So I, my parents were students at U of T when I was born. And uh, so right at Bay and Bloor is where I lived across the street from the ROM until I was about six. Yeah. Uh, and then we moved to um, just midtown Toronto and I grew up and went to high school there. And then I went to U of T. So I spent the first, you know, like 24 years of my life in Toronto. All right. So you said you're a city mouse and a country mouse. I am a city mouse and a country mouse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I, it took me a while to find my country. Um, but uh, I went to grad school. It, the funny thing is like, I've been really, I'm having these conversations a lot lately and um, my brother is a quite a successful lawyer now in Toronto. And, um, but that was supposed to be me. So that's what we joke about. Oh. It's like, I went to U of T because I was going to go to law school and I took all of the exams and all those stupid LSATs and everything. And I actually got into Dalhousie um, and was all ready to come out here and go to law school. And there was something inside of me that said no. And I didn't tell anyone. And I applied to grad school elsewhere. Um, and that was a conversation with my parents. You can imagine when I was like, I'm not gonna be a successful lawyer. I am gonna go be on the radio for a living. And at the time, talk about making a living off of your craft um the going rate for an entry-level position in canadian medium market radio like forget you weren't going to get into a large market without experience you needed to go smaller medium first hmm. um was below the poverty line wow so, so you hear these people on the radio every day and you, they feel kind of like local celebrities in a way but they're making money below the poverty line yeah I when I got my first job so I went to grad school I loved it it was like a 16 month intensive course and got a few scholarships that helped me pay for it but I still graduated with like a massive amount of debt and when I took my first job my salary was like less than my debt um, but somehow I managed to scrimp and save and 
worked my way up and switched jobs. And there was a day when um, I ended up winning this really big national award. And that kind of opened a bunch of doors for me because I caught the eye of quite a few uh, large market news directors and producers, and it resulted in an influx of job offers for me. So that was really great at a very young age. And two of them were in Toronto and then one of them was in Halifax. And at the time I was like, you know what, like I'm single, I want an adventure. So I put my cats in my car and I packed a suitcase and I drove and I had never driven east of Montreal before in my life, let alone by myself. Mm. Um, and that was 10 years ago and I landed in Halifax and I took a job uh, at News 95.7 here in Halifax and I ended up staying there for five years. Um, did about every job you could do there, yeah. Um, and now it's been 10 years and I live here. <laughs> <laughs> I have no plans of leaving. So yeah, that's, that's weird because I am a bit of a city mouse and a country mouse because now we live outside of Halifax too so we're in the suburbs, yeah. almost rural. Um, and I wouldn't, trade it for the world i always uh wanted to i grew up in bermuda which is the very opposite of a big city and yeah. but i was always drawn to big cities and we vacationed in big cities so i always imagined that i would live in a big city and it just now that i that just I, now I, i'm saying here i live in the burbs like semi-rural yeah. and i love it it's 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 a great like experience. Well, and the cities will always be there. And I think if you have it in your soul, which I do, like I feel like when I step foot off of an airplane, touchdown in Toronto now, it's just like that I can flip the switch and I can just become a Torontonian again. And I remember what it was like to be, you know, that 22 year old mm. undergrad student walking the streets of the St. George campus, you know, smoking cigarettes between classes and, shuffling my feet through Queens Park and um I have very fond memories of the city and I sometimes I think I credit my duality like that with some of the success that I've had because when I do work with brands now especially as a brand ambassador which when I sign those deals I consider them uh, like very in-depth I don't just say yes um, I negotiate pretty hard I make sure that they're long-term contracts. So I don't really sign anything that's less than a year long. Mm. And of course I do media, but when I'm negotiating now as a media personality, for whatever reason, saying that I have roots, I have urban roots yeah, really um, tends to be what can clinch the sale for me. So I say like, I'm like, you know, I'm an approachable, I don't know. It's something about like, selling your product is like they want you to be this approachable suburban mom but they also want you to have street smarts and like get the way of the world and for some reason i think in the marketing world there is this misconception that you don't understand how the world works unless you've done it in a big city mm. um, so when i can say like okay like i get toronto trust me i can i can still drive around toronto blindfolded not right blindfolded, but like i you know, it put me anywhere in Toronto and I know where I am. Yeah. Um, and it, it's helped me get a bunch of sales on the national. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So what, what would you say that you love most about what you do? I love 
I know that we just like, can I say shit? You have to blip. Oh that. yeah, I don't care. Oh, okay, okay. So it was like, I love how we just like shit all over Instagram and how it's like screwing creativity, but I actually love, I love where things are going. And I think I love most about what I get to do is every day it's super creative and collaborative. And I think that's what, when I sought to be, you know, when I, became a journalist and a radio broadcaster and then a TV broadcaster. What I really was asking the universe for was permission to tell cool stories and do cool things. And I think the way the news business went, it stopped being that and it started being information, um, salacious information for sake of information. And what I really wanted was, <laughs> information as entertainment because I actually think that people learn better and they become better people and they they have their eyes open and the horizons expanded when they are emotionally engaged and to be emotionally engaged whether that's you know being sad or being happy or finding something funny or touching you have to be entertained or you're not going to stick around to get the lesson. And mm -hmm. I think that's where the news business is really falling short. And I think when I look back, you know, that's, it became like voyeurism for me and there wasn't that emotional pull in the stories enough. So now that I do it on my own and I work with some really big brands, I get to tap into that. And it's, mm -hmm. it's so much more fulfilling when I get notes from my audience members or my readers, or even from my brand partners who say like, wow, like you really connected and that really worked. Yeah. And I freaking love it. It's, it's so great. And I actually think that that's where I'm, you know, I, I also work part-time in a marketing agency on a lot of these branded content projects. Um, and as I'm putting my eye to the projects and my ear to the ground, I'm really hearing that there are some big moves coming where brands are going to start really stepping into this creative space and owning the fact that people want to be entertained. And to do that properly, you have to be super creative. And it's mm. so exciting. Yeah, I love that too, because I mean, why do we want to invest in these products if, um, you know, like for advertising, for instance, right? Like most people pay, don't pay attention to advertising unless right. you can entertain them. Yeah, so. that's exactly the truth. And I think we're just scratching the surface of that. Just, I mean, some brands are doing it an awesome job and they have yes. it forever, like Nike and whatever. Like those big guys, they get it. There's been smart yeah. people working in there forever. Yeah. But it's all coming together, right? The fact that we can all be on Instagram, the fact that we can all be creators, the fact that we can all step into the light. It's just, how do we want to show up and who are we going to partner with? And, mm. you know, I don't, it's, it's, I love that I can partner with brands like giant tiger, but there's such great stories there. So they are revolutionizing supply chain management in Canada. They have, and like, they're not paying me to say this, but like, I honestly feel like it's cool. And I feel like there are wicked stories there about improving the economy, which improves lives. And there's ways to tell that story without just like writing it in the business section of the newspaper. Do you know right. what I mean? Right. Um, they're doing cool stuff. Like 
videos about, you know, the guy who got the job driving the truck and how his life is now totally different because he works for a company that's committed to him not just being a truck driver, but like a valuable contributor to the company. And I think stories like that, the fact that I get to tap into stories like that on the daily basis now, that's what fires me up and that's what lights me up because that's a human story that matters to people. Mm. Um, and we can learn from from those kinds of stories. So that's what I love most about what I do. So you're still a journalist, um, basically. Well, it's true, right? I mean, and I and and the blog that I have is really like one branch of what I do. Um, yeah. It it's just one part, um, and it really is what gave me my my launch pad. But I mean, yeah, I think the world needs better journalists, and that's that's what we're seeing is that marketers and journalists are starting to co-mingle, and the marriage of those two things is a beautiful baby. Actually, you know what? <laughs> And I love that idea too, because as we see all these publications and everything fold, uh, the fact that these very intelligent people, I know a lot of journalists, smart people, smart, mm -hmm. gifted people, and to have these opportunities for, for them to use their ability in a new way is, is, is very happy. It makes me feel good to know about that. Yeah, I, 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 was, I suspect that trend will continue. I have mm -hmm. no doubt. I have no doubt. No doubt. Especially with like the way politics and everything is, people are so sick of even just turning on the news that I think more traditional journalism jobs are going to start drying up again. Right. And those people need to work. They need to do something. And I, I think most of them are called to be creative in some respect. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So for us uh, lay people who are not journalists, mm -hmm. if I wanted to approach a brand and say, yeah. I want to be an influencer for you, how, like how do you even do that? <laughs> oh, loaded question. Okay. Um, yeah, it's funny because I'm in a Facebook group and um, it's, a, it's an OG Facebook group that I've been in for like seven years. Um, and there's a couple new members that were just added and one of them, God love her, I don't know her from a hole in the wall, but she put up a message very similar to that. And it was like, I have this project and I want to get some sponsors. Can somebody share their pitch template with me? And how much money are you asking for? And how much product are you asking for? And it was like crickets until yeah, somebody, I'm not telling you that. <laughs> somebody else kindly, I think it's because it's a Canadian group, right? Um, if you put that in an American group, like you would never get a response. You might even get deleted, but um, it was a Canadian group and, and someone very kindly, I think she was a maritime or two. She was like, um, just so you know that you're basically like asking for us to show you behind the kimono and all of us have worked really hard to understand how to do that. And you, yeah. you know, there's a lot of resources online you can read. But anyway, it made me laugh. I thought, okay, like she, she took a step out. She was bold and asked the question. Um, but to answer your question, how do you work with brands? Um, I, I think there, I'm of two minds. So the way that I do it is I have just built a very solid skill set and learned how to articulate my value. Gotcha. Um, and I mean, that takes time. That's, I, I still don't nail it every time. I get no's all the time. Um, I'm not pitching as much now though, but um, 
if there's a brand you want to work with, the first thing I tell, you know, when I consult with influencers who want to do this is engage with the brand. They need to know you exist. So engage with them on their Instagram, on their Facebook, on their Twitter, um, and then really have a clear idea of what it is you want to do for them. And in some way, you got to back that up with some form of data. So, so the secondary question I always get is, it's always, how do I work with brands? And then what do I do if I have small numbers, right? Like that's kind of the next question. Yeah. Um, so, and, and I say the number is just a number. You can choose to focus on that or you can choose to use your power to turn their gaze towards something else. Mm. So if your numbers in your estimation, you don't think they're good enough, then find something else that only you can do for them and articulate that. And the worst you're gonna get is a no, the best you're gonna get is a sure. Mm -hmm. And and it's all an experience. Sometimes right. they say when I get a no, I'll often go back and ask why. And sometimes they give me a really good answer. Like, well, you know, our budgets don't turn over until next year. And then I put a note in my calendar and I will reevaluate or revisit that closer to when their budgets turn over. Um, the big thing though is, um, and I think this is a psychology thing, is I'm finding as more and more people think it's easy to be an influencer, mm -hmm. um, that we're putting brands on a pedestal. Mm -hmm. And it bothers me a little bit because it doesn't work unless it's a partnership. Okay. And I it doesn't, it really doesn't. And that starts in your head. It starts with the way that you think about it, right? I think back to your very initial question about are so many people kind of leaving the traditional workforce because they can do it on their own. Part of the appeal of doing it on your own is being your own boss. And I see a lot and I, I'm privy to these dynamics, influencers who work with so many brands, like sometimes their entire nine grid is nothing but sponsored posts and that's their own prerogative and they're raking in the money and that's fine by me but recognize that doing that you are not working for yourself anymore you got more bosses you have more bosses so when i approach a brand it's as a partnership i work to dictate timelines i work to dictate budgets i work to dictate deliverables if you are just in it to say you worked for a brand, mm -hmm. check your intentions. That's all I'm saying. Because very quickly you will find yourself beholden to their mandates, to their messaging, to their brand over your brand. Is that really what you want? Yeah. And that's another, like, to be on the other side of this as a person who has a brand. Yeah. Um, I, a lot of the advice I get from people to grow my brand is to work with influencers and I'm always hesitant in because <laughs> I don't want to be the one that has to tell them, Hey, you can't post that thing because mm -hmm. you represent me. So, mm -hmm. or you represent art pays me or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Is that what a thing that happens? Like, is, yeah, you, I would, so the other thing that happens now is there's all these tacit agreements, right? Or like, this is why I say don't work for product because if there is not skin in the game financially, yeah, 
you're not going to perform the same way. Like no matter either side of the equation won't perform the same way. And notwithstanding the fact that when a big brand offers you product, like unless you are going to go to the store tomorrow to buy it yourself, I don't accept that anymore because they get it at cost. It's a tax write-off for them. You end up like way on the losing end of that equation almost every time. Um, but now that there's contracts. So I actually just signed a contract that has um, like a like a behavior clause in it where mm-hmm. if I post salacious, racy, you know, whatever material that they can request that all of their uh, content is taken off of my pages and the contract will be like severable at that point. So I, yeah, like I, and then, and then it, that's an employee contract. Now I signed it because the rest of it really makes sense and it's yes. a fabulous partnership and I'm not going to go pull post like pornos on my page and yeah. whatever. But, um, for smaller and medium sized brands, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like for me, cause the thing I don't have, I respect people's time. I respect people's, you know, whatever. I don't have the money to pay somebody what I think mm-hmm. they deserve to, mm-hmm. to put that kind of energy into my brand. Yeah. Um, so it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough thing. The other thing I will say is, and this is also a psychology thing is that when you're pricing yourself, so if you want to work with a brand, yeah. Um, pick a number that you feel comfortable with asking for, and then increase it by at least 20%. Hmm. And that's, I think that's a life lesson actually. Yeah. I mean, I have increased my prices steadily 20% year every year Mm. Mm. because I I put it this way. Like I, I sit on both sides of the equation, right? Like I, I work with bloggers and influencers to kind of help them navigate the space, but I also work with brands to help them navigate the space. I have seen what brands are paying bloggers. And then I've seen what bloggers are asking to be paid. Gotcha. And bloggers is a like air quotes, influencer, yeah. whatever, web content creator. Um, there is a massive disparity. Mm. So that said, the brands are off in their mind, they're prepared to pay a certain number. Yep. Bloggers are coming in way below that number and they're like, done. Majority of the time, majority of the time, not every time. Sometimes, sometimes, uh, sometimes back to the ego thing, sometimes, uh, they grossly inflate their value and it's, <laughs> that that's a problem. Right. Um, you really do. You have to be real. I mean, it is really just one Instagram photo, like, mm-hmm. but unless you ha- are a Kardashian, like let's check yourself. Yes. But um, yeah, there's a huge disparity. And I think part of that too is because the industry is still trying to figure out what the hell it is. So is it a display ad? Can we have, do we need to have a values alignment? Is it, you know, do you own the photo rights perpetually? Like there's all of this other stuff that just has not yet been worked out, even though it's been like three or four years since this has really become an industry. Yeah. There are no rules. So in a situation where there's no rules push the boundaries why not yeah until there's rules right 
So would you say that the fact that there are no rules are maybe the biggest challenge in this industry? Yes, I think it's actually, I listened to a podcast a few weeks ago with Erica M and she's kind of like the mother of Canadian influencing platforms, right? She started Yummy Mummy Club and she's now grown it into this massive agency and she's now off doing her own thing. Anyway, she kind of called it a dumpster fire where it's contained, but it's out of control. And I think that's exactly the analogy. It's the wild west. There are people jumping into the pool on both sides, brands who want to capitalize on it, people who want to make a quick buck, not enough conversation is happening, not enough consideration is happening to the storytelling, to the long-term impact. There's too much, there's too much focus on Instagram, not enough focus on the long-term um, potential growth. I mean, sometimes brands just want that. Sometimes they just want the impressions and the brand recognition, and that's a perfectly okay marketing objective. Yeah. But it can't be your only one because if you're just if you're having to reintroduce yourself every three days, you're gonna get tired and your audience is gonna get tired. So all of us, I think the dumpster fire is gonna result in all of us taking a step back and thinking like, okay, holy shit, like what do I wanna be when I grow up? Mm. Is this a sustainable business model? If I, you know, I mean, you've seen it. There are some families out there where dad quits his job because mom has a big Instagram account. Yeah. I just read a story about that yesterday. Like, but you've got three kids who are under the age of 12 that are all going to need to go to school and be fed and clothed. And you're going to, what, like, is that a viable business for you, your entire family if it's all based on Instagram and you have no other platform and no other means of actually adding value to a brand other than your Instagram account? Yeah, it scares me when one algorithm shift could uh could ruin your whole entire income <laughs> right so like i think what we're starting to see is these instagrammers starting to be like whoa okay i love what i do but this can't be it so let's talk about the pinterest let's talk about how to grow the blog let's talk about how to become like i've done like i've really niched down and become you know that media ambassador slash blogger so i kind of mm -hmm. have those two things locked um how do i have more than one thing because yeah dumpster fire is out of control <laughs> yeah. the versify like so i remember maybe in at the time instagram started to blow up or social media in general let's say the argument was no one's going to visit your website mm -hmm. go to where the people are mm -hmm. so that's why i personally started investing more time in social media now it seems like it's coming back to building up your home base I, it, yes, and yes, it is. It is absolutely. I mean, my only focus for the last six months has been Pinterest and my email list. That's it. Mm. And I don't, and, and I mean, to that end, I'm also working really hard to um, pull some of the weight off of Pinterest for my business, just in case something happens to Pinterest because it just went public. You never know. They're going to have paid things. Things are going to shift on that. So you have to think about what you own. So when you are pitching yourself to anyone, whether it's a brand, a business partner, another blogger, what do you have that's a value? You have your personal brand, you have your skill set, you have your creative talent, 
you know, some people are just really good at certain building furniture, painting houses, staging photos, whatever, interior design. That's your value and you can articulate that. But then you also have to add that hard data to it is like, what do you own and what kind of actual conversion can you create? Well, I have this many page views on my website. And then on top of that, I have this many people on an email list and this percentage of them always open my emails, Mm. no matter what. You can't really say that about Instagram. You can't say like every photo guaranteed gets a thousand likes. You can try, but I don't know anyone out there who guarantees performance on a platform they don't own. Which is why people would delete stuff because then they can only say, look, every post has gotten blah, 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 because they delete yeah. the ones that don't. Exactly. So, and there's nothing wrong with keeping your Instagram as, as a primary beacon in your business. Yeah. But really you need to back yourself up. It's like having a savings account or like buying life insurance. Like mm. you kind of need a safety net there because then the other side of it is let's say that this all goes to hell in a handbasket and you have been doing nothing but running an Instagram based business for five years. Yeah. Now, what are you going to do? How are you going to articulate your value to society after that? Yeah. What's the next move? Right. Right. And yeah. I think, as creatives, it's, that's the burden of being a creative, right? Because we just want to sit there and create all day and create all day and not think about the past and not think about the future and be in the present. But like, holy shit, you really do have to think about it because it's a crowded, noisy place up there and it could, could go up and smoke at any time. The other side of it is that it's a really awesome challenge to mm-hmm. figure out how to weave it all together. So I've had a really great creative time figuring out how to weave my Pinterest traffic into email traffic, into, you know, affiliate sales and into, you know, all kinds of things. So it's, it's all in how you look at it, but Instagram is going to screw everybody. Mm. I'm not going to lie. I stopped playing video games and social media became my new video game. Like how to, like how to translate social media into website traffic and all the other things that you do to do generate website traffic. It's like, I'm always challenging myself. Okay, what can I do today to figure out? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So you're a mom. I am. Yes. What, what are your, like, how do you feel about, like, as a parent, like, doing what you do as an example for, mm-hmm. like, because it, it's, it's hard to explain. We all want our kids to, like, to be successful. But is, do you find it hard to explain what you do? Well, my daughter's only two, so I don't really have oh, to. So you don't yeah. have to. She's still really little. Um, <laughs> but I am like really aware of the dynamic. And like the other night, I left my phone in my office and we were playing in the living room or something. And she looked up at me and she said, Mommy, need your phone? And I thought, <laughs> Oh, no, no, honey. Like, it's okay. I don't always need my phone. Uh-huh. And it was like being slapped in the face. So, yeah, that's a tough one. And I'm, I don't know how I'm going to navigate that with her Mm. Uh, because yeah, we want different things for our kids, right? We don't want this for our kids, which it should be a sign that we're doing something wrong. Uh, It's, it's weird because like people sell me, like I I have this thing or it pays me, you know, like I want my kids to, I want the world to find ways to be able to make money at art. 
Yeah. But then there's this other thing that I'm like, I don't want my kid to struggle. So maybe that's the motivation of why. I'm doing this. Yeah. I have a kid that like is looking at what I do and would probably be wanting to do what I do. And it's scary to me to know that she might fail at it. But I guess it's just a parent thing. I think so. And I think being honest with kids about the fact that you only got where you are because you experienced some degree of failure, like not, not making failure a bad word, Yeah, I think is the best lesson you can teach a kid who's got a creative bone in their body and that they want to chase that dream. Yeah. Um, I think I, you know, I love my parents, but they did not teach me that failure was not an option for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had to learn that it was okay to fail. And I think if I had been okay with that sooner, I wouldn't have had as many bumps along the way. I think that's a gene that all entrepreneur business owners maybe have uh, intuitively. I, I get into these discussions every now and then with people and the first thing they often come to the conclusion of is what's going to go wrong or and mm-hmm. sometimes, and the criticism that we have as entrepreneurs is that we don't think about what can go wrong. And I'm like, well, I think we do, but I think we also realize that there's a point where you just have to push forward. Otherwise, if, if yeah. there weren't people like us, like who were willing to push forward, the world would not have cars or anything. <laughs> It's true though, right? And I also think like we're just so damn busy all the time that like I don't have time to sit there and like think about what if this doesn't work. It takes me less time to do it and see if it works and move on. This is true. Right? This is true, yeah. Yeah, because all the, you know, you could spend literally weeks just trying to figure something out and when, but it might take you two days to know oh, that it didn't work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's like I, I fail fast, right? Like taking, taking a page out of Zuckerberg's book, like when you want to try something, do it, focus on it, test it. Does it not work? Okay, move on. Forget about it. Leave it. Like learn from it and go. That's, we have to have more of that too. And I think we have to teach our kids that too. Yes. Yes, indeed. So one more question. Okay. Do you still podcast? Not right now, but um, I am working on a new concept that I, is super secret and I can't tell anybody, but I will tell you once it's no longer conceptual. Um, and it's funny because uh, I'll give you a little teaser of what it is. It's it's still in test mode. So I have a bunch of kind of beta, beta recordings, pilot recordings that I'm letting some folks listen to and give feedback on and I'm going to iterate. Um, and I think at this point... You know what? It depends on how quickly I fail at my current project that I'm working on at my website, how fast I can get it going. But uh-huh. maybe September, I bought a new URL. So oh, like it's, okay. it's like a thing, like it's on the roadmap, um, but it's going to tie almost everything that we have touched on today. It's going to tie all of that stuff together. Oh, very so cool. It's going to tie the, you know, the psychology of, being a digital creator, a blogger, the concept of being a woman Mm -hmm. in social media, um, working with brands, how to do it, how it starts, how to fail fast at it. Um, Some of the lessons that I have learned in my seven years as an OG. Um, 
and and all of that wrapped up in more of a storytelling concept because what I'm sick of is everybody standing out there saying, I've got a course and you follow these steps and you'll be an influencer. I've got a course and you follow these steps and you're going to be a blogger. Here, take my webinar and these are the five things you need to do to get your blog to go viral, viral right now, right? Like I'm fucking sick of that. Mm. So this is me saying, what do we connect to? We connect to people, we connect to stories. And if you really want to know what it takes to be someone who makes six figures a year, hustling her face off because it took her seven years to realize how much she's actually worth to herself and to the world. This is, this is what you need to listen to. This so is the real deal, not, this is not the real, no bullshit. I am yeah. not going to sell you anything. I'm not working on a course to teach you how to do it. This is me wearing my heart uh, on my sleeve. So all that to say, I'm going to shop it through a few producers to make sure that I'm doing it properly. Hey. <laughs> um, and uh, I want to get a couple other people involved. And I really, really hope that I'm going to be able to get it off the ground. If it doesn't end up in podcast form, it will probably end up in written form um, on, on my new website. Okay. So I have plans either way. Uh. Um, and it's, it'll be a, I don't know. I think I'll probably piss some people off, but if I'm not pissing people off, I'm not doing it right. Right. Hey, <laughs> I have the same motto. I, I'm dealing with people pissed off at me right now. So it's all good. All good. Um, yeah. Any, um, anything else exciting that you want to share? Mm, no, I think that's like, we covered so many things that have been rolling around in my brain this week. This was a great chat. I mean, it's a Friday afternoon right now. So good time to just like, get it all out and start the weekend and nice. we, uh, we can, we can do a chat about Pinterest at some point later on down the line. I can tell you all of the tricks that I've learned because that's like I a whole love. other thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm down because I didn't get Pinterest for a long time, but now I'm finally starting to understand it and really start to enjoy it. Mm -hmm. so. mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, and oh, and how can my people find you? Your people can find me. Um, well, I'll just direct you to my new website is erintrafford.com. And there's only a few pages up there right now, but there's new stuff that I'm going to be putting up in the next couple of weeks. And but at least the contact is there. So if you have questions or you want to chat about anything, you can just email me through the site. Great. So that, yeah, folks follow up with Erin for sure. Connect with her online. I binge listened, uh, in the story house. So if she is putting out a podcast, you will want to check it out. And, uh, that's it. Thank you very much for being on our page. Thank you so much for listening to the art page podcast. Thank you to Langy beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, hit me up at artpaysme.com or at artpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.